Warning, Money's Crazy Mind contains language that may not be suitable for all listeners. Discretion is advised, but will be completely f- ignored. <laughs> Right doing wrong. Parents pissed off every time I write a song. Smoke crack, push up Satan. What the fuck is that? It's something funny, made for you to laugh at. You're destroying America with your rap. You're so full of shit, I need to call Hazmat. The only way I would ever apologize is if I had my face buried in your sister's thighs. Okay, I'm sorry for what it's worth, but the best part of you was the afterbirth. If you can't take a fucking joke, then go jump in the river. Nah, 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 and I fucked your sister. You can't take a fucking joke, then go jump in the river. Okay, <clears throat> now we're cooking with gas. Got everything working now. All right, all right, here we go. We are back, we are back. <clears throat> now, as you can tell, things sound a little bit different. The reason for that is I'm testing this bad puppy out here. Um, this was a gift given to us here to test out the potential of maybe some point in the future having a guest join us here in the asylum so that that way I can be on the microphone that you guys are used to seeing me use every week and they could be on this here headset that way they can hear everything that I hear as the guy behind the boards but then also, they're able to talk to us. But, so that's something that I'm just testing it out. I want to hear how it's going to sound. I want to hear how things are working with it. Everything, you know, stuff like that. Now, this is a JBL headset. One of the best headsets you can buy. So I want to thank the people responsible for getting that for us. And no people out there that may be thinking things it was not the people at kezi productions it wasn't them it was somebody else who might potentially be a guest in the near future here on money's crazy mind speaking of money's crazy mind thank you everybody for checking out this edition of the show so i do want to say this though I want to thank everybody that works so hard um, to get things rocking and rolling for this particular show. Uh, because of that, because of their tireless efforts, we did receive the um, intro sting video for a segment that is going to be coming to a future episode of Money's Crazy Mind. I want to believe. 
Look at that, getting shit done, right? Um, but also, um, you know, I've, I've been getting asked a lot of questions recently, obviously, about my new partnership with Keezy Productions. And what exactly does that mean? Does that mean that I'm leaving the asylum? Does that mean that um, things are going to change for the show? Does that mean, you know, a lot of things? Um, the answer to all of that is uh, equivocally no. Nothing. Not a damn thing is going to change about Money's Crazy Mind. We are still going to be here every Friday night, 6 to 8 p.m. We are still going to be right here in Spook Central, putting the show on every week. We are still going to be the same exact show. The only thing that changed is the fact that I have some partners. That's it. They're helping us by putting our show out on their platforms. I'm helping them by helping support their shows and putting them out on my platform. So it's just a win-win situation for everybody. I'm helping them, you know, since they're new, you know, people adventuring into this crazy-ass world of podcasting on their own and all of that, helping them learn what they need to learn, helping them get the tools and the talent that they need to succeed in this business. That's it. That's all it is. I am very proud to be a part of their team. I'm very proud of everything that Keezy Productions and Nameless Faceless Productions is making happen. So, the, what's next for Keezy Productions? Well, this Saturday, you've got Loud and Local from 2.30 to 3.30. And then this Sunday is the return of Jess and the Women's Health Summit 1 to 3 p.m. part of Keezy Productions. Can't wait to see everything that they are going to bring to the table. And with the Women's Health Summit now being a, a part of uh, Keezy Productions, with that comes the Meeting of the Minds and the return of the Men's Health Summit as well under a completely different direction and everything like that under the tutelage of the team that puts together the Women's Health Summit. I will not be a part of that as I had been in the past, and that's just because yeah, boy, got a regular nine to five job, and I just can't commit to the time commitments that are needed to put the men's health summit out every month the way that um, she would like it done. Um, will I appear on a future a version of the men's health summit? If I'm asked, absolutely. I would love to be a part of that. Um, same goes with loud and local. You know. If they ever want me to come on as a guest, I obviously have zero problem with that as well. But that's pretty much it, right? I mean, that's pretty much what the men's hell or uh, blah, 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 what the future with Keezy Productions is going to be, what we are bringing to the table as a unit. And, um, you know, I'm very happy to be a part of it. So there it is, man. That's everything. That being teamed up with Keezy Productions is going to bring to the table for future editions of Money's Crazy Mind. You know, not much changing. Um, so I want to believe 
Um, we're going to get that rocking and rolling probably in, not in the next episode of Money's Crazy Mind, but probably the episode after that. And why why did I change that up? Why did I decide to to move that stuff around and, and do things a little bit differently? Well, if you guys subscribe to the streaming service Netflix, go ahead and take a look at what the number one um, entry on Netflix is right now. And that is what we are going to be talking about next week. This has got to be, and you guys know that have probably watched this show in the past when we were with the other radio station and things like that. When I pick a true crime story, I pick true crime stories that just make people go, what the fuck? What? (laughs) And, uh, when, when we, my wife and I sat down to watch this one, that was pretty much our reaction. We're like, this has got to be bullshit. Like, Something's going to happen. It's going to come out that these people are just absolute full of bull puck. And guess what? They weren't. They were 100% legit. And at the end of it, you're just sitting there going, how? But so we'll talk about that next time on Money's Crazy Mind in Dos Weeks. I don't want to say what the name of the of the documentary is. Go check it out for yourselves, man. Like watch it and then I'll give my reaction to it. We'll break down everything that happened the way the way I always do true crime here in the asylum. But that is our next episode. Um the number one true crime documentary on the Netflix as it stands right in here right now. Obviously as things change on, you know, as things happen on Netflix, that could change. Like in the next 10 minutes but um as of right now that is the number one true crime doc on the flicks of net uh let's see is it still number one see on the app i don't think it gives me what is considered number one I mean, it does still say it's in the top 10. Yep, there it is. I'm going to pause the trailer because I don't have permission to play it. Um, But you guys are going to see, you know, right there. Number one in TV shows today. There it is. Bam. All right. You guys now get to see my camera redirect after changing that. But there it is. Um, So you guys got to see a, a little sneak preview. Um, but here we go. Let's go ahead and get into um, what we're going to be doing here this week in the asylum, because that's why you guys are all watching. We're, we're, you know, you're not watching for the future stuff. You're watching for the stuff we're talking about this week. So six pages of shit, man. But this one was a really interesting topic to start diving into. And you see it right there in the uh, caption for the show. Where have the subcultures gone? And it's kind of nuts because, like, it's really strange where in, uh, inspiration for topics can come from when it comes to doing this. Um, I was watching a different documentary, not the one that we're going to be talking about next week, but that documentary will come up later on in, in the episode. And the topic of subcultures and group dynamics came up and. 
and it became a real part of the story that was being reported. And it got me thinking about the fact that you never really see, you know, particular group dynamics anymore, especially group dynamics that used to fit into what could be considered a subculture. So what happened? When did it happen? And that was the most interesting part of it for me. It's just like, so hang on, hold on. You mean to tell me that something that was such a, a large part, what the hell? There's a class five free roaming vapor back there. Um, something that was such a large part of my teen years, my teenage years, something that, you know, could make or break your high school career, something that, you know, friend dynamic wise or popularity wise, I guess I should say, um, you know, things that could condemn you for the next four years doesn't matter anymore. Like, like, and I, you know, so I was driving to work and I'm looking around and I'm just like, Holy shit. There's no clicks. I don't see any clicks anywhere. What? When the hell did that happen? So let's take a look at the death of the subculture. So what happened to subcultures? And I guess I never really paid attention to the fact that the one thing that always used to be a part you know, I was always proud to be a part of the subculture that I was a part of has pretty much disappeared from society not just here in the United States but all over the world the idea of belonging to a particular group or having people that are like-minded <clears throat> seems to have gone the way of MySpace or AOL Clicks, once in every day sight, seem to be all but gone. What is mind-blowing to me about that is that the world has changed in such a way that this seems to have happened in complete darkness. No one seemed to notice it either. That's the, that's the part that has just got me like, are you fucking kidding me? Because like even like talking to my coworkers at work that are around the same age I am, obviously there's people that are older than me, there's people that are younger than me, obviously, you know. But just everybody that I talk to, either it be you know a few years older, um, younger even, or you know, um, it, it didn't matter the age range that I was talking to, or or you know, <clears throat> things like that. Everybody was kind of just like, yeah, you know what? You're right. I don't I don't see that anymore. But the metalheads, the preppies, the nerds, goths, freaks, geeks, none none of these groups no matter what group group it seemed to be all just disappeared overnight and became one of the things that most of these groups tried to avoid. 
And that's becoming mainstream, part of just everyday society. Nobody taking notice of anything. Most of these groups and cliques have another name, though. One that became part of the study of sociology. And that was the study of subcultures. And a study that I even did back when I was in high school. um, I wanted to understand something that most of the time just could not be understood. The idea of the subculture uh, used to be one of the most important parts of sociological study. Because it helped understand a certain dynamic and certain aspects of our society. The dictionary has subculture defined as a subculture is a group of people within a cultural society that differentiates itself from the conservative and standard values to which it belongs, often maintaining some of its founding principles. Subcultures develop their own norms and values regarding cultural, political, and sexual matters. Subcultures are part of society while keeping their specific characteristics intact. Examples of subcultures include BDSM, hippies, uh, hipsters, which include the 1940s original parent subculture and nipsters, goths, uh, steampunks, bikers, punks, skinheads, gopnik, hip-hoppers, metalheads, cosplayers, other kin, otaku, furries, and obviously any other group you want to throw in there. What is crazy to me is that all of these groups still exist. They just are not considered subcultures anymore. You can walk down any street in any country and find people from all these different groups and all these different walks of life together in many different sets of friends with all different likes and dislikes. So what happened? When did subcultures die? And is there a particular moment where it all just passed us by, where we just said, okay, this isn't happening no more? Is there still a group out there that fits this definition? And maybe one that the world still hates. It turns out that there is not one but two separate reporters that in the past year decided to investigate this exact same phenomenon. Actually, I'm sorry, two years apart from each other. The first, from the British Vogue magazine in 2021, Yomi Ekadonke asked the question, has the internet killed subcultures? And in her editorial, she writes, Subcultures are no longer the preserve of the counterculture. They are culture. 
things that were once specific to a group continue to exist without the social and cultural elements that once pulled them together. Words like fam, specifically used by inner city black working class youth and yas, originated from America's black drag scene, are no longer indicators of a person's socioeconomic background or interests. They're everyone's. They are no longer, for better or worse, specific to a particular identity. Decades ago, it would be impossible to imagine drag race as an internationally recognized brand or grime, often referred to as the modern-day equivalent to punk, featured featuring on Christmas IKEA adverts. So I want to break that down just a little bit and where she was talking about words like fam and yes and things like that you see that all the time i mean there's so many things like the chakra you know or even just you know the devil horns for metal or you know any any of those different things that used to just belong to that one specific group of people are now just being used by everybody there's there's no differentiating between a lot of the different things that once used to be considered punk or nerdy or things like that. And I, you know, for me, I think that when I first took a little bit of notice to this was when, you know, the comic book movie phenomenon and the the comic book movie boom started taking off and you, you start seeing everybody wearing Avengers t-shirts. You start seeing everybody wearing Deadpool t-shirts. You start seeing everybody knowing who captain America and all those other characters were when back in my day, when I was in high school, it was just the guys that, that read the shit and appreciated it for what it really was. The art form that comic books actually are but she does go on to say if video killed the radio star then it was the internet that killed the subcultures in the same way that social media provides an immediate entry point to different societal groups it also uh homogenizes or home uh homogen uh Genesis is, I guess, is what the word is there. I don't, you know. um, as we try harder than ever to differ- differentiate ourselves from each other, elements of subcultures are increasing, increasingly coveted because of their connection to the fringes. The cycle of um, the cycle of niches eventually begin being subsumed by the mainstream has happened over generations, but the internet has sped this process up at an unrecognizable rate. These days, before a subculture has fully formed, it has already been co-opted. Combined with the rise of sample culture, different cultural touchstones are now a dress-up box for Gen Z. 
This new mix and match approach to fashion and music means we now have trends over tribes. It isn't necessarily a bad thing. Young people can wear what they like as opposed to ascribing to the puritanical fashion rules within a group, as was the case when I was growing up. Again, I can't agree more with everything that she was saying there. Before the birth of the internet, the only way that a lot of things got shared or passed down or anything like that was because one person in the group heard it and then they gave it to the rest of the group. Because obviously they knew that the people that were in that group were like-minded to the things that they liked and appreciated and could pass it along to the others in the group and things like that. Think about, if you're a wrestling fan, the old tape traders of the late 80s and early 90s where WCW, ECW, and other groups like that were not featured nationwide on a streaming network like the WWE Network, which, by the way, in December, we will be doing a rest in peace to the WWE Network as it will be shut down at the end of December. Anyway, but people like me that lived in cities that were not showing ECW on a weekly basis, we got it every once in a while and on a channel where the quality was questionable at best and you needed rabbit ears on top of your tv just to even get the station to come in at in somewhat of a watchable fashion so for me the guys that sold tapes that lived in philly and other areas like that that got ecw on the weekly basis i'm just like here's my ten dollars can i have my ecw please very similar to what she's saying here But the other thing was, was that you could always tell the goth kids were the goth kids because they were constantly wearing black, their faces were paper white, and their hair was blacker than their clothes. You could always tell the preppy kids from from the other kids because they were the ones that were always wearing the Ralph Lauren and the Tommy Hilfiger and the things like that. You could always tell the different groups and what they were into by what they wore and how they presented themselves. And I do think that the internet and social media in a very large part has a lot to do with the death of this. Like, You think about what happens every time a new season of Stranger Things comes out, right? The featured songs in those seasons, like Master of Puppets and uh, Run Up That Hill, became huge chart toppers again decades after they were released, and a bunch of new people were being introduced to those artists. Now, obviously, Metallica is going to have more of a stay than the other artist on that album or on the, on that season of Stranger Things. But it, yeah, quit laughing at me when I make a mistake, all right? Or I'm going to put your ass back in the containment unit. Oh, okay. All right. Well, keep it up, pal. I know where you sleep. Don't mind him. He's excited that he's back and he's in the new movie. But I definitely understand everything that, that, that they're saying here because a lot of those old songs and all of that stuff are being sampled into like TikTok videos and things like that. So I definitely understand that. And the mix and match where people can be this one day and that the next day and nobody gives a shit, I definitely see that every day 
at work more amongst the younger employees than than the ones that are my age or older but i definitely see that every day but she closes that editorial with an amazing epiphany and this is an epiphany that i want to share perhaps it was only a matter of time before subculture became culture for Gen Z, shaving your head and piercing your eyebrow is probably less rebellious than when your dad did it in the 80s. But even if it feels like it's in decline, we may be more tribal than ever before. Subcultures were the safe places of yesteryear. But in many ways, identity in terms of gender, race, class, and sexuality has taken its place. Political causes flags and pronouns in our bios are how we now understand ourselves and try to be understood a new age iteration of putting your favorite song on myspace who knows how the next generation will be making sense of themselves as the generational need to sum ourselves up isn't going anywhere anytime soon but i must admit as i mourned my lack of a subcultural home as a teen. I moan, mourn their potential slow extinction as an adult. That last part right there, I'll read that last two uh, sentence one more time. But I must admit, as I mourned my lack of a subcultural home as a teen, I moan, bleh. I don't know why I can't say mourn today. I I mourn their potential slow extinction as an adult. I feel that in ways that maybe not a lot of people, especially younger than me, are ever going to understand. And here's why. For me, not being able to find that one particular subculture, at least right away, for me, not being able to find that one particular group of people that I fit into, because I had a little bit of this, and I had a little bit of that, and I had just a pinch of this, and just a pinch of that, and a dollop of this, and a tablespoon of this, or, you know, whatever, however you want to break anything up, I never felt at home with one group of people. I had friends from just about any walk of life that you can you can potentially think of especially back then i was friends with the popular kids i was friends with the goths i was friends with the nerds i was friends with the geeks i was friends with the with the freaks i was friends with the jocks i was friends with the preppies i was friends with this i was friends with that so i never really felt at home but because i didn't belong to one particular group that also made me the ridicule for some of the worst bullying that people can possibly think about because I didn't fit in anywhere, because I didn't belong to just one group, because I never wanted to pitch and held, hold myself into that one group. And I think that the next article that was written in, in uh, August of 2023 by Thomas Lethem from Far Out, and it took a look at the death of subcultures, and it takes it in a slightly different approach. But an approach that I think makes just as much sense as everything that uh, the, the woman from Vogue was trying to say. So let's take a look at what Thomas Lethem 
of Far Out Magazine had to say. And he goes, heading down to the local park toward the end of the 20th century and beginning of the new millennium, one can find any array of different subcultural beings living, not in total harmony, but at least with a base level of tolerance with one another. The Grebos and the Goths, the scene kids and the emos, the skaters, the punks, the ravers, hell, even later, the hipsters. But it feels like that whole sense of being one set thing has disappeared. Whether it's a bad thing or not is no easy thing to dissect. But hopefully we can root through some of the weeds and get into, uh, into the more profound matter of the issue. And there is way more that he says here. With many of our contemporary social ills, it is difficult not to look at the degradation of a civil fabric caused by an advent of digital technology and social media. When once a subculture had to be sought out, physically addressed, beliefs understood, music listened to, and language learned, with social media, one can assimilate the mere aesthetic of a subculture without doing any of the hard work. But this ease of access to pretty much every facet of every subculture negates that fundamental idea of actually belonging to something by doing the hard yards. Music could not just simply do the rounds on Spotify as it does today. You couldn't just type in best emo songs in a search bar and consider yourself emo all of a sudden. Instead, you may be ha- uh, you'd maybe be handed a record, CD, or tape at worst, be sent a media fire link to a given album. Quite simply, if you didn't know and didn't care, it wasn't for you, and rightly so. So both ideas on this are dead on. Oops, uh, where did I go? Here I am. Both ideas on this of this are dead on. I agree with everything that both of them had to say. Uh, Maybe it was not so much the net itself that killed the glorious idea of subcultures, but social media. Both of these journalists link the idea that the rise of the connected social age to making the idea of the subcultures becoming the norm. However, Thomas is not done yet. He goes on to say that social media was just the beginning and that there is a much bigger meaning behind the definition of, or the disappearance, I should say, of subcultures. There are a few concessions to make here, of course. The first is that perhaps there's a benefit to being able to pick and choose which parts of which former subculture make up our personal cultural beliefs and outlook. No longer do we have to be packaged as just one thing with cemented views and tastes. But on the other hand, perhaps that very act of picking and choosing creates an overall cultural makeup 
that just that just has less sense of belonging in the first place. It's a somewhat contradictory situation to find ourselves in. There's another idea from a personal bias that perhaps subcultures still only exist in the youth and that I now at the beginning of my fourth decade on earth am simply too old and too far removed from the culture cultural milieu that still burdens under the surface or burgeons, I guess maybe I'm just older now and am lamenting the loss of my own subculture. The glory days of my youth through which I felt a closer kinship with those who shared the same beliefs and tastes as me. Begrudgeant. Or maybe not, because I, I don't know. I, it, I don't know. There's some words in here that, I, that I'm sorry. I'm just not that cultured and don't understand. But I, I understand what he's saying here, because I myself am going to be turning 40 this year. And obviously, I am way far removed from a lot of cultural milieu because I am who I am. And I guess I'm going to quote Eminem a little bit when I say that I am whatever you say I am. I mean, that's just who I've become. I know I'm a huge fucking nerd. I have seven boxes of comic books sitting on the other side of this very room that we're sitting in right now. I've got one, two, three, four, five. 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 shelves full of collectibles from DC Comics, the Ninja Turtles, Ghostbusters, Back to the Future, Spawn, you name it, I have a collectible for it, if it's one of the things that I'm very into. But on top of that, I'm such a movie nerd that I have boxes on, on top of boxes full of DVDs, VHSs, Blu-ray, 4K, and guess what? Just this past week, I bought more. So yes, I belong to a lot of different groups, and I always have. But what is the significance of the subculture no longer mattering? That is not bad at all. Essentially, it's that society as a whole has gotten ex exactly what it strived for. Everyone, regardless of background or taste, getting along and belonging to everything. Not just a pigeon-held group. For those of us who came from these kinds of groups, though, the whole idea of belonging to these groups is that we did not fit in. We were anything but the norm. And that's what we wanted. We had our hand-picked group, and that was all we cared about. Most importantly, we didn't give a single solidary fuck what anyone else thought about us. We were who we were, and that was enough. The one thing that is vexing me, though, is why didn't anyone notice that all of the sudden, most of these groups meshed together and became normal? I spent a lot of time thinking about this and could not come up with a spe specific time frame of when it happened. I even began looking around at my coworkers 
and paying more attention to people walking down the street. And what I saw was exactly what both articles mentioned, that sometime during the Internet age, the idea of the click ceased to exist. For someone who is 21 years removed from high school, this came as a bit of a shock to accept that something that now I only recently experienced at my 20-year high school reunion has gone the way of people being allowed to have an opinion has disappeared. And that is kind of like the, the craziest part about the whole thing for me is that at some point within the last 20 years, this idea of, you know, you can only belong to this one thing has disappeared. But like I said, I mentioned when I went to my 20 year high school reunion, everybody that was in that one group of people, all the jocks were just all of a sudden whoop, one group. The preppies were just whoop, one group. Me and my friends that were a mix of a little bit of everything, we all just kind of like congregated together and we're just like, yeah, look at these idiots. Like, some good beer. But, you know, I mean, again, most of the people that were at that reunion with me are about the same age I am. We're all around that exact same age getting into our 40s. So I'm wondering if maybe that has a lot to do with what we witnessed and what I saw. But I'm not necessarily saying that subcultures no longer being in existence is a bad thing. Far from it. Because like both of these groups are saying, both of these people wrote, you can now just pick and choose what you want to be, what where, what you want to dress as, who you want to look like for that particular day. I mean, I work in a, in a a building that is supposed to be business casual. So most of the time I'm wearing polos or a button-down shirt, khakis or dress slacks, dress shoes, and only on particular days will I dress down, at least shirt-wise, I will dress down. So, you know, let's say, like, the one day I decided to wear my Jurassic Park t-shirt. The next day, I'm wearing a Metallica t-shirt. You know, the next time I decide to dress down, I'm wearing a Metallica t-shirt. Obviously, I wear a lot of Ghostbusters t-shirts. I wear a lot of Batman stuff. I wear a lot of, of things. But for me, this idea of not belonging to just one subculture is the one thing that both of these art, uh, uh, authors said, and it was the one thing that they that they think is the the most important takeaway from subcultures no longer existing the way that they used to. But there's also this idea, you know, and um, that this is a new thought. That there wasn't a group that was like this that existed back when cliques and subcultures and all of that were just part of the societal norm. And I hate to say it, but they're wrong. There was one group. And that is one group 
that might still exist today. And it's definitely something that that garners looking into. But what is that group? And is it a group that if that anyone can belong to? And I think people are going to find the answer to that fairly interesting. So what we're going to do is I want everybody to think about what I just said and who I just might be thinking about and talking about. And when we come back from break, we'll get into just all of that. Now, I am finishing setting up the break song here because I was thinking about what I wanted to do for a break song for this week because, you know, this is this is an interesting topic. And like I said, you, you never know where inspiration is going to come from. But also, this is going to give you a hint of just who I'm talking about when it comes to the group of people that still exists today that falls into the category of a subculture. So, when we come back, we'll talk about that. And we'll talk about why I think that that particular group fits into this norm when we come back from break. Almost done getting this set up here. I apologize that I didn't have this done. I wanted to have it done. I thought I had it done. But apparently, I didn't. Okay. But all that, when we come back right here on Money's Crazy Mind... Um, we're about 10 minutes from, from the top of the hour. So it's a great time to take a break and we're moving into a different part of this topic. So we'll take a break while Slimer continues to make fun of me. All that. When we return right here on money's crazy mind, don't nobody go nowhere. Nobody can touch you now. I'm your man. Jesus Christ couldn't touch you because I represent you. So keep your nose clean. Be a good owner, follow the rules, and who knows, maybe one day when they open the books, you get straightened out. Become a wise guy, a man guy. Come on, lift your glass. We mob like family, like family. We mob like family, like family. We mob like family, like family. We mob, we mob, we mob, we mob. The world is mine, so fuck the rest. Yeah, fuck it with me. Yeah, fuck it with the best. I'm untouchable like other puppets, leaving motherfuckers' minds. Fuck, stop, fuck, fuck, fuck. 
finally get to the top Don't give a fuck about a bitch-ass cop Sonny Black brought you in and said you were down Now you're breaking bread, talking family now Had the call last night, things didn't go right Had a pull rank, had a call Mr. White He said blinds started freaking, pink started drinking Got me thinking of what to do There's a rat in a family and I think it's you So we rally up the crew and we ready to ride We mob like family and you die tonight when I say mob like y'all say family, we mob like family, we mob like family. When I say we mob like y'all say family, we mob like family, we mob like family, we mob like family, 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 like family, we mob, we mob, we mob, we mob. Baseball back to the back of your toe. Why couldn't you just leave it alone? You're fucking with family, you're fucking with me. I'ma have to put you three feet deep in the shallow grave for a shallow ass snitch. Ran to the fence like a scared little bitch. Told them on the other hand, it's shit that I did. Murder men, women, even little ass kids. So what you gonna do when it's protection can't save ya? What happened to all the love that I had gave ya? I brought you in and I made you family. And this is how you go when we pay me from behind my back. Run your mouth I'ma make sure another word never comes out Close the case and close the trunk This is what happens to a bitch-ass punk When we mob like family Like family, we mob like family Like family, we mob like family Like family, we mob, we mob, we mob, we mob We mob like family Like family, we mob like family Like family, we mob like family Like family, we mob, we mob, we mob, we mob All right, so we do got a bunch of new people listening to Money's Crazy Mind here each and every single week. And where can you find the audio replay of every single episode, even those all the way back from year number one up to this week's show? Well, you can find them in all of these great places, and we've even added a new one. But you can get it at Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, CastBox, Amazon Music, Radio Public, and now, ladies and gentlemen, iHeartRadio. Exclusive post-show audio wrap-ups. We used to do them every Friday night at about 10, 15, but not anymore. Now, if I feel that the topic has more that needs to be set upon that I don't think fit the topic of the episode or the exact feeling of the main topic of the episode, I'll do a post-show audio wrap-up. And as a matter of fact, we're doing one for this very episode that you're checking out right now. Where can you get all this great stuff other than those places? Well, you can even check out our website, powered by PodPage. You can just go podpage.com forward slash monies dash crazy dash mind. And of course, you can check out the live video episodes every Friday night from 6 to 8 p.m. on the Money's Crazy Mind Facebook page and YouTube channel. And now, Keezy Productions. We'll be back in just a second. Oh, wow. That sounds that sounds really great. Wow. That sounds like a really good deal. Who are you talking to? Uh, the Northeast Ohio Ghostbusters. Hello, Northeast Ohio Ghostbusters. What are you wearing? Uh, khakis? 
Well, that sounds hideous. Well, they're Ghostbusters. All right, all right, all right. We are back. Pot dulce of money's crazy mind. Where have the subcultures gone? It's a great, great topic that I came across uh, watching a documentary. And that documentary was actually speaking about a group that at one point was considered to be probably one of the most hated and misunderstood groups that exist on the planet. So much so that it even caused them a lot of legal trouble about 10 years ago. And we're going to get into all of that as we get into part two of Money's Crazy Mind where have the subcultures gone? Before we get into that, though, I do want to talk about all the great people and the great sponsors that help make Money's Crazy Mind happen each and every single, well, each and every other week now, because I don't do the show every week anymore, and I'm, I'm actually kind of glad that I don't, and we'll talk about that as soon as I'm done talking about these great mother people. So first up, Nameless Faceless Productions, a production company that I started back last year and or maybe in late 2022 and working on uh, video editing, music video creation. We're going to start getting into commercials. We're going to start doing uh, some light film production, things of that nature. But I am so proud that I was able to start this group and that we are the main part behind the, the, cre the new direction and, and visual creation of Money's Crazy Mind each and every single week. You hear them very lightly behind me in the background, but that is Psych Ward. And I want to thank them for continuing to allow me to use their song Funny Bone each and every single week as the official theme song to Money's Crazy Mind and the song you're hearing right now, Family. And the song that you heard at the beginning of the show, White Trash Party, and thank you guys again. You know how much it means to me to allow me to use your music. Now, if you're looking to get some ink done or you want to get some ink fixed up or you just want to, you know, hang out at an art gallery where there's a lot of great local artists that have been voted some of the best in Cleveland, there's only one place to go. And that's Tattoo Therapy Inc. and the Erie Art Gallery. And some of our newest sponsors, um, we have Growing Wings Adult Services. Lisa and the team continue to be one of the leaders in helping adults with disabilities in the Northeast Ohio area. And also, of course, Keezy Productions. So thank you to all of you guys for helping make this show happen each and every single week. And now let's get into the third question that I asked at the beginning of this show, is there still a subculture that still exists? Uh, and the one clear thing that I took away from both editorials was this, neither felt like they belonged to one distinct group and that they struggled to find a place in the subculture era of existence on this spinning blue ball. We call home. Is there still a group that possibly resembles a subculture? 
a group that really does fit the definition of a subculture and is still alive and active today. Is there really a group that fits that mold in 2024? If there is, will they be able to survive the changes of the world? The answer is shockingly yes. And it's a group that no one probably even knows does still exist. A group that even survived the FBI. The rabid and ultra-loyal fans of the insane clown posse, the Juggalos. So what is a Juggalo, you might be asking? Well, a Juggalo is a nickname given to the fans of horrorcore hip-hop group The Insane Clown Posse, a nickname that was given to them by the band themselves. The term originated during a 1994 live performance by ICP during the song The Juggler. Violent J addressed the audience as Juggalos, and the positive result uh, response resulted in Violent J and Shaggy 2 Dope using the word thereafter to refer to themselves and their friends, family, and fans, and that included other psychopathic records artists. The craziest part is that the basis of this group, the fact that no one in the group can fit into societal norms. This is one of the most misunderstood, feared, and loyal groups in the world. However, it is probably also the one that will welcome and accept just about anyone that fits the mold and knows the true message behind the music. The Insane Clown Posse song, We Belong, talks about that exact concept. I see you're feeling lonely again. Use a motherfucker. Feeling like you don't belong or like you the only other. But some of us scrubs got it worse than you. No homies to call on or crew to belong to. Some of us set up fuck all that bullshit and dropped out. Some of us stood up to fight and got knocked out. Some of us like to cuss and don't like your format. We like the wicked shit and chose not to ignore that. And that has kind of been what a lot of the basis of this fan base and everything like that has been for the past however many years that ICP has been around. They got their start in 1993, so about 31 years around there. And I think that that is a big deal, that there are still people out there that can listen to the music. And the fact that ICP is still around today making music but what was said there basically can fit just about any any one of the groups of people that are out there. Maybe you are one of those preppier kids that like to dress nice and everything like that, but you don't like the other things that fit into that. And because of that, you're picked on. You have no friends. You have nothing to call your own. Well, if you can find... Another, you know, some other commonalities between the fans of the Insane Clown Posse. You have a home right there with the Juggalos. And that, to me, is like one of the greatest parts about that that whole group. More on that in a minute. 
But what makes this group different is that it doesn't matter what your background is. If you listen to other styles of music, if you know about dog beats and basement cuts, or if you just discover the carnival thanks to Yum Yum Bedlam, you are family. Juggalos are not just fans of the music. They come from every walk of life. The ones that don't belong, that don't forget in, that don't fit in. The forgotten of normal society who found commonality in the lyrics of ICP. Lyrics that for most are like the fans misunderstood. Most talk about the struggles of living in lower middle class families. Fighting for everything that they have. Including their own lives. Standing up for things that are wrong like racism, AIDS awareness, and even pedophilia and human trafficking. Although hidden behind carnival rides and attractions that punish the wicked and violent lyrics, when you take the time out to listen, the true meaning behind it all is there. But not everything in the Juggalo world has been Fago showers and rainbows. Because like every family, some claimed to understand the teachings of the carnival, but in reality, used the wicked shit to be wicked themselves. In 2011, a dark cloud shrouded the dark carnival in uncertainty after an FBI and DOJ gang classification report classified Juggalos as a hybrid gang. The FBI defines the report as the National Gang Threat Assessment represents the collection of data provided by the National Drug Intelligence Center through the National Drug Intelligence Center. Um, Law enforcement partner, uh, no, through the National Drug Threat Survey, Bureau of Prisons, State Correctional Facilities, and National Gang Intelligence Center. Law enforcement partners. An overview of how these numbers were collected is described within the scope and methodology section of the NGTA. The estimates were provided on a voluntary basis and may include estimates of gang members as well as gang associates. Likewise, these estimates may not capture gang membership in jurisdictions that may have unreported or that declined to report. Based on these estimates... Geospatial maps were prepared to visually display the reporting jurisdictions. The assessment was sent to law enforcement agencies across the country. And what followed was juggalos, even those not involved in criminal activity, being harassed by law enforcement officers just for sporting psychopathic records apparel which included tattoos, T-shirts, face paint, carrying around bottles of Fago, you name it. If it if it falls into this classification, it was happening. Now I'm not stating that every juggalo that was being harassed harassed was innocent. However. Most of the minor offenses that were then elevated 
and the, the offenders treated and charged as gang members. And minor offenses that should have had lighter sentences became much worse and larger because of the classification that was housed in that report. In 2012, an attorney who is also a juggalo filed a Freedom of Information Act to see what the FBI used to make the claim that juggalos are a hybrid gang and what crimes were committed to make the classifications. And in the documentary, The United States of Insanity, he states that the information used more closely resembled Google search results than they did criminal complaints. And in the middle of all of this, Dateline also does a story on juggalo violence. And after two years of trying to figure out how to combat this and the mounting stories that are being told about fans being harassed by law enforcement, the Michigan branch of the ACLU, or the American Civil Liberties Union, stepped in and agreed that something needed to be done about this. And what happened was a three-year court battle trying to sue the FBI and the DOJ. The ACLU mentioned all the information that they had of fans being unfairly harassed, the vague and misleading description and examples of cases were just little to no evidence of the suspects actually being affiliated with the Juggalos other than their own words. Others mentioned incidents in the complaint that list self-identified Juggalos as being skipped over for employment and even being dismissed from military service due to affiliation with the Juggalos. And then after the Sixth Circuit Court originally stated that the ACL, ACLU had a case based on the First Amendment violation, after another judge denied the case, the Sixth Circuit then also denied the case, ending any possibility of the lawsuit moving on. A small victory was that in 2012, Juggalos did not appear in the NGTA report and has not appeared since. Juggalos also marched on Washington in a sign of unity and standing up for freedom of expression and that not everyone who calls themselves a juggalo is in fact a criminal. This classification also cost ICP and psychopathic records a lot of money with concerts being canceled by towns, uh, by town witch hunts, going to the press and law enforcement, scared of what might happen if the shows were allowed to go on. Cities did not want the annual gathering of the Juggalos, and in several cases, deposits were not able to be returned. After all the dust cleared and the ACLU stepped in, life is slowly returning to normal for Juggalo kind. Gatherings have returned, concerts are now going on, and a new hand of Joker's cards is being dealt. So before we move on with the rest of what I have here, I do want to say that, and this is not something that I've actually come out and publicly said at all on this show, I don't think. And if I have, it it had to be in the very, very early years of the show. 
But obviously, I show this tattoo off quite a bit. And for anybody that understands what that tattoo means, it does mean that I, too, am, in fact, a fan of the Insane Clown Posse and Psychopathic Records. And I know that there's probably going to be some members of the of the Juggalo fan base that are going to sit there and hate me for what I'm about to say. But yes, that includes those that have left Psychopathic Records and went on to not only start, but also be a part of Magic Ninja's entertainment. Twisted, Boondocks, Blaze, any of those guys that are over there. Because at one part they at one point they were part of the family. But the one thing that is has been forever constant about anybody that belongs to a subculture is that that is what your beliefs are and that you will do anything for them. Now I'm not going to sit there and say that I'm going to go and punch somebody in the face that says fuck ICP they're the worst music on the planet. Hell, ICP says that. And they even said it in the documentary, The United States of Insanity. But the one thing, the one thing that every non-criminal member of the Juggalo family could agree on is that we are just that, a family. There are people that will go to the gathering of the Juggalos and spend top dollar on their campsites and have them big elaborate setups and things there where they're giving out free food, free water, free clothing. But not only that, but there are jugglers who are giving back to their communities. They will sit there and they'll do clothing drives, food drives, toy drives. They'll clean up their neighborhoods to not have their neighborhoods be so bad. And and they do it all under the name of being a juggalo. You know, I wore this headset so that I wouldn't hit the mic like I kept doing on the last show, and then there I go and hit the mic. So for me, it's 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 about the music, but it's also about having something to belong to. And when I felt like I didn't belong to the metalhead kids, when I felt like I didn't belong to the kids that listened to hip hop, when I felt like I wasn't a jock, when I felt like I wasn't a geek, when I wasn't a nerd, when I wasn't this, when I wasn't that, even though I am each and every single one of those things, I played football, I wrestled, I was a jock, but I also listened to heavy metal. I was a fan of professional wrestling. And during that time, professional wrestling's Popularity was at its highest, but still didn't belong and was still hated and was still mistreated and was still bullied and all of those things. And it wasn't until I became a member of the Juggalo family where I ever felt like I belonged. But this isn't a story about my belonging. This isn't a story about my journey entering a subculture. This is about subcultures in general and what happened to them and where they disappeared to. And if there is a group that still fits the classification of a subculture and in everything that I looked at, the only group that is still just concealed in of in and of itself and where the members of this group will still 
even after all of the legal stuff and after everything that happened, where if you walked around and you were wearing a hatchet man on your shirt, or if you were wearing an ICP shirt, or if you had an image of any of the six original Joker's cards, because by this time, all six of the original Joker's cards had been released, and two of the new deck of Joker's cards have been released in Bang Pow Boom and the Mighty Death Pop, but those weren't included as images in the report. But if you had any of that anywhere on your person, on your vehicle, anything like that, you could expect to have a conversation with a law enforcement officer, even if you were just going two miles over the speed limit. And for a lot of that reason is why I haven't really mentioned it, that I'm a member of the Juggalo family and that I am myself a Juggalo. But it's also because I never really did anything to sit there and say, um, yes, I am a Juggalo. I'm a proud member of the Juggalo family or anything. I, I never really told any of the stories like that. But Juggalos are not the only fan base that had ever been attacked or music being blamed for crimes that have happened. But indeed, the last few years have been very tough for the Juggalo family. And that is what every person who wears a Hatchet Man charm, ICP t-shirt, or have Juggalo tattoos. This has been the story of the world's most hated band since they started gaining popularity. I could do a whole show just on that and the history of the Insane Clown Posse. But this isn't about them, like I said. It's about subcultures, and the Juggalos are one of the only remaining examples of this left. What has made the Juggalos last so long that even though the popularity of ICP has greatly declined over the years, I can't speak for all Juggalos, but for the few friends that I have that are still proud card-carrying members, it's the feeling of belonging. And that there are so many others out there that understand them. And of course, being a part of a family where maybe they don't have one of their own. Juggalos are not the first instance of music being blamed for horrific crimes. In fact, it goes further back than I think a lot of people would even care to think about or can even imagine. In 1932, Gloomy Sunday was written by pianist and composer Rosetto Ceres, and it has been linked to more cases of suicide than any other song in history. The scenario will pop up again. This scenario will pop up again on the list, but I can promise, I can promise that. But in 1995, the band Slayer and its devil worship and virgin sacrificing lyrics were supposedly the catalyst for the murder of a 15-year-old girl, Elise Poller. Three teens, Royce Casey, Jacob Delashmet, and Joseph Fiorella, sacrificed Elise to Satan, hoping that Beelzebub would grant them the gift of musical talent. Because they, too, 
were in a devil-worshipping band themselves called Hatred, claiming that they were influenced by Slayer. Marilyn Manson's music is what law enforcement focused on in the Columbine school shooting case. Charles Manson and the Manson family tied influences, uh, saying that the Beatles' White Album was the soundtrack for a race war, and that was what influenced Manson and his family's crimes. Probably the most popular is the West Memphis Three case. Three eight-year-old boys were brutally murdered and buried in a creek bed, watery grave. The suspects, three teenage boys who listened to Metallica, and that was the prosecution's stepping stone to proving witchcraft and devil worship. Music has always been a scapegoat, and those are just a few of the many examples of cases of entertainment made me do it over the decades. And of course, a lot of fandom has been considered subcultures, and music and even other forms of entertainment have been a part of classifying them. Ultimately, there is no clear reason to why or when subcultures have gone the way of AOL, MySpace, but while other groups have been all but erased from history, the Juggalos have in many ways gotten more popular and continued to keep the hatchet raised despite the negativity in the early 2010s. A lot of the reason I chose to do this story for the show is because I started down the subculture rabbit hole in high school for a paper I had to write for my sociology class. This is also when my fascination for true crime and using music as a weapon motive started. This also led me into talking or taking a look at myself as a subject and found that I too could not fit myself into one societal group, social, social group over any other. Back then, I tried to be friends with everyone. It didn't always work out and became the victim of relentless bullying. Most of it out of jealousy that I was a nerdy, heavy metal listening Boy Scout, choir, and theater geek, and was friends with one of the most beautiful, popular girls in our school. I was also dating her best friend, and was able to get along with just about everyone. Then the day came when I too was introduced to the dark carnival of the insane clown posse. I again defended the carnival and my other musical tastes in college on two different occasions. Once in another sociology class, where I talked about the dangers of blaming an entire subculture for crimes of a few within the group. And this was right around the time of the ICP's gang classification. Then again in a psychology class, where I studied violent music's effects on individuals with mental illness and could it cause them to snap. Shockingly, most of the no, most bleh, most of the notorious criminals listen to more conservative musical styles like classical or pop than violent music genres like metal or hip hop. So what is the final takeaway from this whole diatribe? 
Given all of the changes to the social climate over the years, it doesn't surprise me that the idea of the clique is no more. Depending on the generation you ask, it could be a positive or a negative. Despite all of this, though, there are still those that are left out of the changes. And it's a group that has felt that way since 1993. Is this the strangest proof of phrase? Of the phrase, as much as things change, they stay the same. It just might be. For the final wrap-up for the show this week, I knew this one wasn't going to go two hours. But I at least like the fact that I was able to fit at least an hour and a half worth of content into this. But yes, even people that you may not think can belong into a subculture or a clique or anything like that may themselves find it hard for them to find a clique or group or, you know, any sense of belonging themselves. But also that that level of of narrow minded judgment is probably the part of things that I'm glad has kind of gone the way of the of, of all those other things. AOL, MySpace. Because now at least in some ways the feeling of belonging is not something that is bothering a lot of the youth of today. Now, while bullying because of social media has taken kind of a bigger and much broader effect on the world, at least they know that they have people that they can belong to. And even those that may not fit exactly into what they have in their mind. That, to me, is the best part about this whole thing is that you can have somebody who is sitting there and they're chanting, the beautiful people, the beautiful people. And right next to them, you have a Swifty. And they're friends and they're getting along and they're they're great. Whereas back in my day, especially post-Columbine, if you walked around saying, this is the new shit, stand up and admit it, you were all of a sudden like, oh, oh my God. Hello, police. The weird kid that likes Manson's about to shoot up the school. You better get your fucking asses here, man. And it wasn't even that easy because we didn't really have cell phones back then. So, you know, but I mean, that's just how things have changed. And and again, I'm not necessarily saying that it's for the worst. I'm not necessarily saying it's for the best. I'm just saying that that is how it is now. And that I think that the world is a lot better off for that. But now if we can now that we can have these kids that like different things and believe in different things and stuff like that getting along with each other, now if we can just stop the hatred that is going on in other ways that is causing all the bullying or just sitting there and be like, you know, supposedly, you know, weight, sex, 
identification, things like that aren't supposed to be things that people are talking about anymore. But yet you talk to a lot of teenagers and they're sitting there saying, yeah, I'm not liked because I'm fat. Or I'm not liked because one eye is green and one eye is blue. Or, you know, anything like that. And the fact that they don't really have a safe place to hide anymore. Like when I was growing up, if you didn't have them on your AOL messenger friend list, you couldn't talk to them. And things like Facebook and MySpace didn't exist until I became an adult. And that, especially with MySpace, with being with the ability of adding music and things to it, was another way for us to sit there and say, yeah, I have Metallica's Nothing Else Matters as the song on my MySpace profile. So that put me into a friend group with other people that liked Metallica and liked that kind of music. But then the very next week, I'd change it up and I'd throw an ICP song on there. All of a sudden, my timeline was nothing but whoop, whoop, you know, and shit like that. But I mean, it was that's the way things worked back then. You know, you got you had people throwing up clown love songs, either the fork up, the fork down, you know, or you know, I, I had Hatchet Man after Hatchet Man appearing on my timeline, things like that. And I'm not complaining about it because that's exactly what was meant to happen with those things. And then the same thing after people moved over to Facebook. The one thing that all of us that originally were on MySpace that transferred over to Facebook always used to say was, damn, we can't add music to our profile? Yo, Zuckerberg, you got to get on what Tom was doing over on MySpace. And here we are all these years later, you still can't do that shit. (laughs) But that feeling, that feeling of belonging, and especially if you belong to a group that nobody wanted to fuck with because people were afraid of you. They could bully you at certain times because they knew that the rest of that group wasn't around. But the second there was that group mentality and you all got together as one, if somebody tried to fuck with you, it it was, yo, what'd you say, bro? And then you had the entire group just, you know, clamming down on that person. So in a lot of, in a lot of cases, that was a safe place for a lot of different people and for a lot of different reasons. And that was what made cliques and subcultures to me back in that time so important. But not only that, but you could go home and you could slam the door and lock it on your bullies' faces and they couldn't do anything anymore. Now, all they have to do is jump on this and go to Facebook, go to Instagram, go to TikTok, go to all those different places and just go... Becky's a whore. That didn't exist back when subcultures existed. So again, again, good, bad. But if you guys want to hear about my personal journey into becoming a member of the Juggalo 
family and also more about my view on the on the class the gang classification and everything like that jump on over to the audio version of money's crazy mind and you will hear the post-show audio dump where i talk about all of that but with that said we're gonna cut this week's episode of money's crazy mind and hopefully you guys took a lot away from what we were talking about this week. I thought that this was a really awesome topic to try to dive into. And yet again, my music is not playing because for some reason, my hard drive that has all my music on it is acting funny. And it wasn't doing this this morning. Let's go back to this for a second. Then <laughs> must be what I have it plugged into. Let's try this. Mm. All right, well, I'll have to figure that out for the next episode. But, yeah, um, so there it is, guys. Um, Subcultures and what they mean meant to society and where have they gone and examples of subcultures that still exist. Uh, But you guys got to see me try to play with this hard drive. I'm not sure what happened to it. It's brand new, so I'm not sure why it's doing what it's doing. But with that said, we're going to cut the show right then and there. You're going to hear a click because when I blaze this up, it mutes the mic. So that's cool. Uh, But for, for everybody here at Nameless Faceless Productions and Keezy Productions, until next time, have a week. Money's Crazy Mind is proud to be the exclusive flagship broadcast of Nameless Faceless Productions. That's all, folks.